This is an episode that I rushed to get finished so that I could post it the day the Scott Pilgrim movie came out. Now that the movie has been released, I got some more thoughts, some other things I want to add to this episode. So, if you already downloaded the original version of this episode, you could skip ahead. Or you could just listen to it again. I mean, what are you, the busiest person in the entire world? If you are, then thank you for listening. You're clearly very busy. I appreciate it. Alright, so this is the expanded version of the Scott Pilgrim vs. The World episode of XO. I am electric, you are electric. So the day before the Scott Pilgrim movie comes out, I got my hands on the soundtrack and I was listening to it and again just hit by these weird waves of just like, how is this possible? You know, how is this real? Listening to the Metric song, you know, really, that could be Clash of Demon Head. Beck is writing songs for Sex bob Like, it's just fucking berserk, man. This is just how weird that this is real. It's just so fucking weird. And I'd been up all day and was crazy tired, just couldn't fall asleep, but I was laying in bed listening to this stuff. And in my sleep delirium, man, I was like... It's like I could see a little 8-bit pixelated Scott Pilgrim bullshit fucking floating around over my head. Like, not literally, but it sort of seemed like I could because I was half asleep. Just for a second, but it reminded me really vividly of being a little kid again and like when I first played Super Mario Brothers, but I didn't have my own Nintendo. And I just think about that game obsessively all the time, like at recess at lunch, at school, it's all I wanted to talk about. And it's just right up to Mario 2, Mario 3, all that stuff, just just being that ridiculously magically obsessed with something. I haven't felt that in 20 fucking years. And just for a second, I got a little piece of it back again. I'm like, this is so crazy, man. This is so weird, all of this. What's happening? What is this train wreck going on in my brain? And then today, as I was going to the movie theater to pick up a ticket for the midnight showing of the movie tonight, I was listening to an episode of Retronauts. It's this video game podcast that I've been into for quite a while. It's actually the first video game podcast I ever got into. And they talked about Scott Pilgrim because it's got so many gaming references and there's a Scott Pilgrim game coming out. And they really kind of helped put this into some kind of perspective that made more sense. They helped sort out this jumble going on in my brain.
So since I've been a fan of this podcast for so long and what I do when I like stuff is I reappropriate their content, you know, and <laughs> re-edit it to my own ends. So this is going to be a little mini show just about mostly uh, Jeremy Parrish and Chris Kohler talking about Scott Pilgrim and why why this is an important thing. What's different about this whole phenomenon than what has come before? This song is called I Am Sad, so very, very sad. Thank you. This next one's called We Hate You, Please Die. The reason I wanted to talk about Scott Pilgrim on this episode is one, because I like the series. It's it's very good. Mm But to the sixth and final volume of the comic books, the graphic novels, came out about two weeks ago. Um, I saw a press screening of the movie based and very accurately based on the books about a week ago. And uh, there's a video game coming out in a week from now. Mm. So um, it's kind of all relevant. It's a huge media blitz, and we're playing right into their PR plans. Well, why, though, is it relevant to this particular podcast? Because it is infused with retro gaming love. It is. That's what's really great about the Scott Pilgrim books is that they're written from the perspective or written by someone who clearly has grown up with video games and treats them with the same respect that anyone else would treat movies or television or whatever, you know. It's the same as having some kind of Indiana Jones illusion in your books, except that these are all based on video games. So there's two different levels of uh, video game illusions in Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. There's references to specific games, and then there's just references to video games right. in general. Tropes. Yeah. yeah, like when somebody disappears and a one-up is left behind, and it's a picture of Scott's face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's just sort of like, I think it's a one-up. Yeah, it's a one-up. Yeah, and that actually plays into, uh, not to spoil too much, into mm-hmm. the last book. Okay. Yeah. And um, like that's pretty clever the way they do it there. But something that uh, really impressed me about the movie, and I don't, definitely don't want to spoil too much about this, but that element of the story, like that part of book six, is expanded on in a really surprising way that actually makes it resonate more with video games. And this is why I really, really enjoyed the movie, because Hollywood never does video games right. you see like people playing Final Fantasy 8 and they're treating it like a two player game or they're playing you know <laughs> yeah. Mario and you hear like right. Pac-Man 2600 and, and sound and effects and they've got their, their hands on both of the thumbsticks and they're right. just moving them up and down yeah yeah right. yeah or exactly. there's like a PlayStation controller but the console's an Xbox right yeah 
Yeah, I mean, no one ever gets anything right. But Edgar Wright and his crew actually took the time to make the video game references work and on a level they can't in the books because there are audio and visual cues that (laughs) that tie in like in the books one of my favorite little bits of the movie is that in the books scott is kind of in this trapped in an uncomfortable conversation with his friends who are giving him a lot of crap about what a jerk he's being and so he kind of like tries to distract everyone by saying, oh, look, I learned how to play the baseline of Final Fantasy 2. Mm-hmm. In the movie, he does the exact same thing. But then Michael Sarah actually plays a do 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 It's like <laughs> the baseline from Final Fantasy 2. And it's well, Final Fantasy 4, but the one that was released is 2 here. Exactly. some interviews with uh, the cast and crew afterwards and, and Edgar Wright was was pretty open about saying that his take on the movie is that all the kind of goofy video game fantasy elements are meant to be seen from Scott's perspective because Scott is kind of this cloud cuckoo lander who's a bit media addled and he's grown up playing video games and that's just like he's having this this uh, life experience and he just kind of parses it in his mind as a video game and it, it I think if you see it that way and kind of take the the unreliable narrator mm-hmm. approach to it like it actually yeah, it makes sense but there is this level of authenticity to it that I did not expect from a movie and which really surprised me and I think anyone who uh, who enjoys video games and, and you know, kind of has that classic gaming um, nostalgia or you know grew up with NES games yeah like they'll watch the movie and be like oh that's really cool like because that is what they remember Edgar Wright deserves to be commended for making a movie that is based on a franchise, a a property that's popular among nerds because nerds do not deal well with adaptations. For me, the appeal of Scott Pilgrim is that for the first time you really see a really, you know, a, a very popular work of popular literature tapping into the the gaming zeitgeist. Yeah, and I think that's maybe the most important thing to say about Scott Pilgrim, is that even if you don't get all the video game illusions and references, and this is true of both the book and the movie, you still get the story because it's still kind of drawing on universal themes. Mm -hmm. It's just that if you... If you are literate with that particular medium, with video games, then you will appreciate this other level to it. I don't know. I think that's something kind of new and different. There was a critic, 
I can't remember if it was The New Yorker or what, but but a critic reviewed the movie or the book was taking Brian Lee O'Malley to task for having the audacity to name his comic book character after Kurt Vonnegut's hero of Slaughterhouse-Five. But that wasn't what Scott Pilgrim's named after. Scott Pilgrim's named after a plum tree song. Right. And, you know, Scott even even wears a plum tree uh, shirt. Also, it's Billy Pilgrim, Slaughterhouse. Right. right. Yeah. But, I mean, Pilgrim, so obviously... It's so, obviously, it must be the exact same. So, so, that made me realize that, like, this movie especially, mm-hmm. older audiences are actually culturally illiterate for it. Yeah. If you, if you mm-hmm. came of age, if you hit puberty before the NES came out, you didn't probably play a lot of video games so you might get that there's like this wacky video game element to the movie but at the same time a lot of the illusions will be lost on you we're hitting critical mass where people of the nes era are coming of age and we do have this whole big shared cultural experience that can inform something like this feeds back upon itself right that the tastemakers of today when they're creating popular culture tell us what they think is relevant for us to know because people reading scott pilgrim don't necessarily remember river city ransom or remember what the baseline from final fantasy 2 is you know the kids reading that but that tells them when it's specifically called out that this is a piece of culture that they need to go back and research and know because that's O'Malley saying this is what's important about the past. I would be nothing would make me happier about this movie than if it turned Clash at Demon Head into a <laughs> uh, a beloved a classic yeah. that it, it it truly deserves to be because mm-hmm. it was a really great game back in its time but yeah. very few people played it. And again, that, I only ever rented it. I never actually owned it. Right. But but it was a really cool innovative influential imaginative game in its time and I think yeah. it'd be great if people looked back at it and realized oh yeah that was that was kind of this cool NES game that I never really paid attention to but I wish I had because it's rad. And that can happen. That can happen with books and movies and that has happened and when the people today who are, are, are creating what is popular and what is new and what should be looked at reference things from the past those things can get pulled up again. excited about reading Scott Pilgrim is that that's actively kind of happening now mm-hmm. with with that. Right, and the, the thing was again, it wasn't, like, I don't think Brian Lee O'Malley sat down and consciously said, I'm going to write me a comic with lots of video game references. Mm-hmm. I think those things just kind of grew organically and he was drawing on his own influences. I mean, there's a lot of, there are a lot of anime references in that too, and O'Malley was a huge anime nerd. It's just, you know, that's his cultural vocabulary. That's what he 
really kind of came of age reading and playing and mm-hmm. observing and it's it also feels fresh compared to the same tired uh, Star Wars references that everyone else uses So yeah, Scott Pilgrim. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. It's yeah. quality. Scott Pilgrim, midnight premiere, and it is total Nerdsville. It's awesome. These are my peeps, yo. This is the nerdiest movie theater I've ever seen. Some of the greatest piece of literature of like the last decade. <laughs> 
Toronto. <laughs> Still, the life thing was fantastic. Yes, and the self-respect sword. Oh, yeah, better. that was good. better. <laughs> Man, that was a fucking beautiful thing. So I guess the first thing to mention about the Scott Pilgrim movie is that it did not set the box office on fire. Whereas I guess just because I've been so deep in the Scott Pilgrim hole for so long that uh, I just presumed, you know, like, of course it's going to do fantastic. I mean, like, to me the fact that it was released the same weekend as a Julia Roberts movie and a Sylvester Stallone movie, I was like, please, knife through butter. Come on, who's gonna give a shit about those? Whereas everyone else in the world has a more realistic view, I guess, <laughs> and was like, no, those movies are gonna trance it. And they did. But you know, when I thought about it a little bit, I can't say I'm really too surprised. If I didn't know what Scott Pilgrim was, and I only knew what most people know, I don't know that I would break my back to go see it, you know, I like Michael Sarah enough, and you know, fighting video game Edgar Wright movie seems pretty cool, but we are just flooded with entertainment in this culture, there's just a million billion different things coming out all the time, it's like, so what if I miss one or I catch it later on DVD, who gives a shit? So I definitely understand. What I found weird is that it wasn't just the general public not going, is that a lot of people in my particular nerd sphere were not gonna go. Particularly video game fans. That's the one that it just killed me. It's like, you guys would love this movie. You always complain that there's no good video game movies. Well, this is the closest you're gonna get, you know? This is a video game movie. In the sense that, like, that movie Crank was a video game movie. These things aren't based on video games, but they are video game movies, and that was frustrating to me. <laughs> just, just knowing this particular demographic would love the fuck out of this movie, and, and they're gonna miss it, you know? They're not gonna see it on the big screen, and it's not gonna be the same on the small screen. It's like, I know for a fact that there's gonna be people later that are like, holy fuck, that movie was great, how come... No one told me about this. How did this pass me by? And I don't know what to say. I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> you know, everyone is trying to tell you. Scott Pilgrim has been in the trending topics on Twitter for literally weeks. Weeks in a row. Usually at the top. I've never seen something else trend that much except maybe the heyday of Justin Bieber. Like, it's just unheard of. I, I like those Twitter trending topics. I like to see what the hive mind is chatting about. Scott Pilgrim just incessant, weeks and weeks and weeks, and it didn't matter. 
And one of my friends pointed out that Twitter is preaching to the choir, you know, like that's not getting to the outside world. That's the geeks evangelizing to the other geeks. But it's still not working, even to the other geeks, you know, they're still just too fucking blasé to go. And it's just, it's, it's disappointing. And I found myself in this weird headspace that I haven't been in in like 10 fucking years of being like a crusader for some pop culture entertainment, you know? Being the guy trying to evangelize this film and it's so fucking stupid and pointless and frustrating and just like wringing my hands because I can't convince people to go see Scott Pilgrim when I... But who gives a shit, man? Why Why do I give a shit? Just making myself <laughs> fucking annoyed for no good reason. It's like the bad side of being a nerd is when you overly identify with some shit that you really had nothing to do with and then you get upset because other people aren't identifying with it too, you know? It's like, please, man, you're 30 years old now. Grow the fuck up. I really, I thought I'd shaken that a long time ago, <laughs> but this whole Scott Pilgrim thing, it's been so intertwined with, with my life for so long. It's just caught me up in this unexpected tornado of return to Nerdsville. as far as the box office numbers go and Scott Pilgrim debuted at number five and the idea of the general public the general nerd public such as myself giving a shit even knowing this stuff even paying attention movie grosses things that could not possibly matter less to us just to point out how pointless and kind of silly that is and how it just really is not what's important I found a clip from an interview that Edgar Wright gave before Scott Pilgrim came out when he was asked about the potential for this movie not to find an audience and a clip of Kevin Smith talking after the movie came out and just recounting his experiences in Hollywood and what it's like to have a movie bomb and how in the long run it just doesn't matter. And to be honest, I'm kind of the last person to ask about the sort of marketability or, or certainly in terms of what the kind of prospects of it are because only the film can kind of sell itself. And it's definitely a different recipe. And many people have commented how they've never seen anything like it before or that it's unique and they can't think of another film that is even close to what it, exactly it is. But all of the separate elements are all kind of familiar, even if the specific mix of the genres feels different. The whole thing about kind of box office prospects and stuff, it almost seems like that is a sort of a football kind of game that has overtaken talking about the films themselves. It's something that kind of I find sort of like a slightly unhealthy trend over the last kind of 10 years that, you know, it's number one or it's nothing. And the idea of sleepers seems to have completely gone. 
the number of times we've been asked on this press tour about like opening against the Expendables, and you kind of think, yeah, but the two films will only ever be mentioned in the same sentence this weekend, and never, <laughs> never after that will the two films ever be mentioned together again. I think of like my favourite films of the last twenty years, and I defy, I defy you to kind of tell me the grosses of some of your favourite films. I don't like to sort of jinx things by kind of getting into that kind of talk because I don't really believe that like Friday to Sunday is the be all and end all of a film. You'll be happy to know that just became the uh, biggest money-making animated film of all time, Toy Story 3. Beating what? What was Shrek number one? Shrek 2 was oh, number one. thank God. One. <laughs> I don't even... I, that, what a stupid reaction. I, there's the best, last vestiges of youth calling out from the back of my fucking pineal gland or something where I give a shit which movie made more than the other that I'm not involved in either. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, there's still that part of youth where I'm like, ooh, what's, what's number one? Yeah. Oh, ooh, that matters. It doesn't matter. It's never going to stop me from dying, and it's never gotten me laid. So that means that <laughs> thing doesn't matter. But it's still the reactions there where I'm like, oh, thank God, a movie that I approve of is in the number one spot. Uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, number five at number the box five. office. Now listen, the only movie you said that actually got an uh, audible reaction. People are loving it. But nobody's going to no. it. Everyone's kind of like, I've, I've read a lot of reaction online from people trying to make sense of it and shit. Like it was September 11th. Like it, it's, <laughs> it's so, people like geeks writing full articles to one another about like how to deal with Scott Pilgrim being so poorly received. Don't worry, perhaps next week it'll do double what it did. You know, just really unrealistic kind of shit. Having been through a few films that, shall we say, underperformed, Ralph. Okay. I just, I had to get on Twitter this week and just calm people down, man. Going like, don't, lo look, love the movie. Doesn't matter what it made. Like, just go on and love the movie and shit. The fact that it made not as much money as you'd like has no bearing. In a couple weeks, people won't remember. In a couple years... They'll never remember what it did. I, I stand 15 years after Mallrats. People go like, oh, I love Mallrats. I'm like, it's such a shame it tanked. They're like, it tanked? I have it on video. It's just enough for some people. If you have the movie on video, they think you were a huge success. Yeah. And maybe I've had to cognitively reframe it so I didn't put a gun in my sure. mouth after most movies. Whatever you need to sleep at night, yeah, Kevin. Exactly, I'm, I'm exactly. all for it. But I've gone to a place where it's just like, I've been through it three times now. I've watched uh, three movies get fucking beat the shit out of and whatnot. Uh, Mallrats. Jersey Girl and now Cop Out. So for me, I spent. I felt like it was kind of nobody asked me to and shit. But I wish somebody had done it for me when my movies, when Mallrats fucking tanked. It would have been nice if there had been an internet to go out there and somebody be like, "Hey man, don't worry. It's like if you liked it, fucking great." So I went out there and just did that, quelled fucking people's fears and fucking loathing over the fact that the movie didn't do well. I felt very good about that. I, I was able to perform a service. On the day after uh, Scott Pilgrim, you know, announced their box office figures, the Monday after opening, uh, the, in a way that I couldn't help people on the actual day of September 11th and shit like that, <laughs> calm their calm their fears and let them know it's going to be. I, I, that was the reaction. The reaction level was like that intense, where people were just like, "Oh God, I don't know who I am anymore," you know. And they oh, weren't even on. involved. The reaction the to Scott Pilgrim was the same as the reaction to September 11th, right? That's, I think, is what okay. I'm getting at. All right, I just want to make sure I got I that. I think that's a fair assessment. Absolutely. Okay. 
way back in the day, we're talking like the year 2000, me and my friends used to have this movie review website where the idea was we'd go see a movie and as soon as we stepped out of the theater, I'd pull out a recorder and we'd record our thoughts so that there wasn't time to think things through too hard or overly digest and dissect a movie. It's just that initial impression. As soon as you walk out, how do you feel? And 10 years ago, that was a technical nightmare. Technology has come so fucking far. We ended up recording it on one of those little dictaphones, you know, the teeny tiny little tapes. So the sound quality was pretty shit to begin with. Then to get that signal into my computer, I had to feed it through a stereo. Like, there's a lot of analog shit going on here. And then file hosting was a huge problem back then. Not like now where you can just post podcasts that are hours long and it's not a problem. Back then I had to edit each of our reviews down to about three minutes long and then just finding places to upload these things was really difficult. We're talking like the GeoCities days. And you know what? Here's an old clip I dug up. This is our April 18th 2001 review of Josie and the Pussycats, just a little clip of it. And uh, I know this probably kills my fucking reviewing integrity for all time, but I stand by this, man. I thought that was a really funny movie. And then fuck, man. And then, uh, why well, I told you it was canceled. That's it! <laughs> <laughs> Nice thumbs up, boys. That's all I have to say. But I can understand how most people would find that character. <laughs> Fuck me. I, I, I don't know if they just made the movie, but they're like, man, there's going to be like three guys in Fredericton. They're going to fucking love this one. <laughs> I don't understand. Everyone else is going to hate it. Man, there's fucking three guys in Fredericton. And it never really took off because, you know... I, ahead of its time. It just was. It, the tech was not there yet. But I always loved that idea. I still think that's the best way a person could ever review a movie, and I'm surprised more people don't do that. But I came across this podcast that just started. It's called Movies of a Lifetime. Their Scott Pilgrim review is split between audio they recorded at the theater and then audio they recorded later when they got home. And it really brought back a lot of those memories of going to movies with my friends and recording our show and just just that initial impression, that excitement you get when you first see a movie. And just how fun it is just to hang out with your friends and talk about movies. It's Chris, and I'm here with Bethany and Andy and Corey, the special guest rogue on today's show. excited uh, we're about to see Scott Pilgrim yes and seeing how we feel afterwards we'll probably see the other guys immediately afterwards hopefully we can just sneak right into that shit because <laughs> <laughs> paying for movies is stupid and are you excited for second viewing I am and I want to say that I know that I've set the bar high for this movie but I feel like it's not going to disappoint
are now walking out of Scott Pilgrim, and this could be a bold statement for me, but that is a generation-defining movie. Um, that looks fucking perfect, start to finish. Bethany, your thoughts? I'm very nearly speechless. It was pretty amazing. So I have to say that, you know, like there's some movies like that will bring you to tears, like oh it's sad or sweet. Like that brought me to tears. It was so good, almost. Like it was like it was like that good that I was just like this can't make this can't be happening. There's so many fucking. It was so like reference heavy without being referency. Wow. Him, I don't even know if I want to see another movie. I because I feel the I exact same way. We need, to, we need to talk about it as soon as possible. Yeah. All right. So the original plan was to see the other guys, but I think that that movie would be ruined if we saw it right afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like, everything else is just going to pale. You know what? That's what I fear this movie might not find enough of as its own audience. I, uh, I don't know, In man. the theater. That's what I'm saying. While yeah. it has its run in the theater, I don't yeah. know if it's going to do very well. I hope it does. The movie was perfect. I mean, I love it. Like I said, my initial reaction was it's a movie that defines a generation. It was like this dream of like if you took everything that we're all into and just funneled into some crazy idea it became this movie and it's just it's such a thing that so many people around our age range are just going to love I so hope this movie finds an audience like more than just the hardcore gamers and whatever, the geeks that are going to just eat this movie up. When Scott Pilgrim first sees her yeah. in the library, yeah, that's great. I felt yeah, what he was seeing was, I was yeah. if she he first sees her in the dream and then ironically yeah. she is the girl of his dream, but you literally know. the girl of his dreams. <laughs> And we got that with Ramona. She was one of those characters who didn't get overplayed. It was There was just enough of her that made you want a lot more, made you want to get to know her. And you felt like you knew her just as well as Michael Sarah might have in, that, in the movie. She is that girl that you're fixated on. And the only person that realize, doesn't realize that she's going to destroy you is you.
15 years too late. Scott Pilgrim is, in a lot of ways, the essential 90s movie. People still go to arcades, people still listen to rock music, everyone is super hip. This is a 90s movie! reflect our culture anymore. Kids who listen to Lady Gaga and Keisha aren't likely to understand the culture presented to them in this movie. It seems totally foreign, like some alien place that they've never been to and aren't interested in going. That was a clip I found from somewhere. Show notes. It's all in the show notes. It's one thing I think is interesting about Scott Pilgrim. It's been extremely well-reviewed, totally embraced by those who have seen it and that are of my culture, my demographic. But when someone does throw up a, a negative review, and that guy, he didn't mean that negatively. His full review was really positive. But anytime someone does bring up criticisms of the movie, it's too frenetic, it's too fast, it's too soulless, it's too... the stakes aren't high enough, you never get a sense that anything truly bad emotionally or physically is going to actually happen to anyone. All of these things are reasons why I like this movie. <laughs> you know? Anytime someone comes up with a way they think the movie could have been better, I disagree every time. There aren't any grown-ups in the movie. Or this movie doesn't try hard enough to let everybody in on on the setting, on the gags, on the culture. And it's like, what, what, those are complaints? Why are those complaints? Why does every movie have to appeal to everybody? <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about, you know? Yeah, the characters are kind of weird and shallow. The comic book was weird and shallow. It's deliberate. It's a life of Riley, man. That's what we live. That's the generation we're in, you know? I think Fight Club said it best, we're the middle children of history, we have no great war, we have no great depression. I see all this potential, and I see it squandered. God damn it, an entire generation pumping gas, waiting tables, slaves with white collars. We're the middle children of history, man. No purpose or place. We have no great war, no great depression. Our great war is a spiritual war. Our great depression is our lives. 
We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. We're slowly learning that fact. And I don't mean to attribute more weight to Scott Pilgrim than it deserves, but that's the world I grew up in, you know? I live comfortably, even though I never had to work hard for it. I don't have to worry about dying in the streets. All I have to worry about is making something more concrete with my life, you know? Making something more valuable in an abstract sense, and it's really fucking hard to do, and I don't know how to do it, and I'm just fucking adrift. That is the tone of my life. So of course that is gonna be the tone of a movie that is steeped in the culture that I grew up with. Scott Pilgrim is not going to have deep thoughts, man. He is not going to tackle big issues. He is addled, <laughs> you know? He grew up with fucking flashing video games and fast music and fast food and movies. That's what he is. Generation X wasn't some kind of cliche. That shit was real, you know? <laughs> We're the generation with the least to complain about of any generation in history. We are the ones with the least amount of problems. We are the ones with the most opportunity. But we're the ones who don't know what to do with it. We're the ones who don't know where to go next. And there is nobody going out of their way to try to direct us. There's no one... I mean, look at my grandparents had to work really hard, mostly physical jobs, just to build something of their lives. Then my parents had to take that a step further. They had to go to university. They had to get an education. They had to get a higher tier of job. But what about me? I didn't even have to go to school. No one even hassled me about it. It's like, hey, you don't want to go to school? That's fine, man. There's, there's options. There's, it's a big, wide world. It's a ludicrously complicated, absurdly complex world. There are a billion different ways you can interface with this world. You don't have to go down a narrow path anymore. You don't have to just work your fingers to the bone. Or you don't have to spend so much time studying. You don't have to do these things. And I didn't. But what do I do? You know, is this all going to work out? Is this going to be the fucking last second three-pointer at the buzzer, you know, that everything's going to work out? Or is this how they say when wealth travels down three generations, that third generation is far enough removed from the source of the wealth that they don't appreciate it anymore, they don't understand how to maintain it, and it all falls apart.
So no, the movie that celebrates my life and celebrates how I was raised. No, that movie's not necessarily fucking about anything. That movie doesn't necessarily tackle any deep topics, and if you fucking wanted it to, you should have raised us different, motherfuckers. say stop being perfect. I say let, let's evolve. Let the chips fall where they may. There's this theater by my house that plays movies for cheap on Tuesday. It's like five bucks on Tuesday. So I put out a call on Twitter. It's like, hey, anybody wants to go see Scott Pilgrim? I'm gonna go get the one last viewing in while it's still around. And I got some bites, three guys that I know through Keith and the girl who hadn't seen it yet. And my friend Brad came. It'd be our third viewing each for me and Brad. But yeah, I was excited. It's like, cool, like these guys haven't seen it. They get to check this shit out, you know? They get to experience the Scott Pilgrim thing. You know, that's like 
kind of exciting to see it through new eyes or whatever. And man, it held up so well. I had a couple drinks before we went, and especially on a third viewing, it would have been fun anyway, but when you got a couple drinks in, in ya, it just slides right by. Man, that movie is a fucking joy to watch. And the theater was almost full, like, part of that is just because it's $5 Tuesday, but we're still three weeks deep on this movie. The other movies didn't seem to be that full, and it's still got all those reactions that you only get opening weekend on a movie. When the name of Toronto came up, since we're in Toronto, everybody cheered. When the movie was over, a big applause. When does that happen three weeks into a movie run? You know, it doesn't. You never get... It's, that, was, that was so awesome. That everybody just dug the shit out of that. They just knew, like, fuck yes, man, that, that was a fucking cool movie. Like, no question, that movie's gonna have a long tail. That made me very glad. Because, <laughs> you know, I can try all I want to convince myself that I don't give a shit how it does, but in the end, all that matters is, like, how well it does in people's hearts, <laughs> you know? And it did fucking well there. Everyone really liked it. And watching it again, and uh, particularly maybe because I had a couple drinks in me, feeling a little more aggressive, it reminded me of that Jason Statham movie, Crank which is another movie I fucking love, which probably also hurts my uh, standing as a, as a fancy pants critic, but I loved Crank. And a big reason that I loved Crank is that they made it clear right up front that what they cared about was video games. There are tons of video game references in Crank, not anything compared to Scott Pilgrim, but there are a lot. And the way that movie is, the, the quickness, the frenetic energy, the lack the, the way they jettison things that don't matter, you know? It's like, oh, you want your dumb little storyline cliche that everyone's heard a million times and everyone already knows? Who cares? It's not important. You've heard it a million times. Let it go. It seemed so obvious that what they wanted to pay homage to, what they were building on, you know, was video game culture, video game thought process, not movie thought process. You could tell they didn't care about the AFI classics. They didn't care about The Godfather. They cared about Grand Theft Auto 3. They cared about Berserk. And I could feel that, you know, and I identified like crazy with that. I watched that movie tons of times. And Scott Pilgrim is much more playful, a lot less aggressive about that stance, but it's clearly still the same stance, you know? It's like, okay, we got a little teen movie, we got a boy meets girl, we got da 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 da. You've seen all this. You've seen all this a zillion times. You know all of this. Let's not bother. <laughs> you know, we know how the story goes. We don't need to rehash it. You have seen all of this. I don't think it was some failing of Scott Pilgrim that it didn't delve into this stuff. It was very deliberate. And in my slightly drunken, more aggressive feeling headspace, I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. You know, fuck you guys and your fucking stupid stories, you know? Oh, uh, you got the protagonist, and you got the hero's journey, and you got the fucking rising action, followed by the this and the that, and the this leads to this, and then the conflict resolution, and the denouement, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. 
we get it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, hundreds of years of this, I think we get it. Who fucking cares? Maybe every movie doesn't have to do that. Particularly this movie, this fucking Saturday morning cartoon, sugar-fueled, you know, ADD movie. So yeah, I love that. I love that the things that people don't like about this movie are things that I like about this movie. It's just like, it's like double love. Even the negatives turn right around and become positives. It's crazy. And that being said, it doesn't mean that Scott Pilgrim is not a moving experience because it still gets me at the end. Minor spoilers for the ending coming up. Fast forward now. At the very end of the movie, it's a very simple image. It's just that Scott and Ramona are gonna try try to make their relationship work one more time. And the metaphor, it's a really simple one. It's just the continue screen of a video game. You know, from back in the day, back in the 80s, back in the 90s when people went to arcades. The continue countdown, put in another quarter. And it doesn't need to be this complicated thing. It doesn't need to be this elaborate web of a story bringing me to this point. It doesn't need to be. It's the things that are true are the things that are simple. You know, I'm not saying this movie moved me like the Shawshank Redemption or something. It didn't move me very much, but it moved me some. And that's all it takes. It's like, it's the same as, you know, we know these stories. We know these tropes. So you don't have to beat us over the head with it. Just that simple distilled thing of this relationship. You know, they're gonna try again. They're gonna try to continue. And who among us does not, you know, can't identify with that? Who doesn't have somebody in their past that they wish they could try one more time. So, you know, you can call it shallow. What am I going to say? But there are a lot of romance movies whose whole aim is to present to me a relationship that don't give me pause at all. They don't make me think about my life. They don't make me reconsider anything. Scott Pilgrim, maybe it's, it's just a continue screen, that's all. But that shit runs deep. I know what that means, you know? You know, I would put in the fucking quarter if I could.
Someone once told me the future is history And the past is still happening And the present's a mystery But I didn't believe them Cause I don't believe anything Whether I read it or see it on TV Everything is far away And I'm in my head all day And nothing is bothering me It's like midnight I'm walking down by the lake I walk past guy and a chick hidden behind a pillar making out how <laughs> memories as hard as it ever did this is the future and that was a funeral that was typical isn't it think of it as a catalyst of the death of a loved one like a shot out of a cannon but I didn't feel that way Don't fucking tell me what's deep and don't fucking tell me what's shallow, you fucks. Fuck you. That's what I'm trying to say, critics. I don't give a shit what you think. And that's why I like movies like Crank and movies like Scott Pilgrim. Movies that don't give a shit about any of that stuff. They don't give a fuck about cinematic history. They don't give a fuck about classical storytelling. They don't give a fuck about anything that you think is important. They give a fuck about me. And that's all I give a fuck about, too. Well, I had all the answers right there in front of me. But I spent all day sleeping and playing Nintendo. Someone once told me the journey of a thousand miles. Well, it starts with just one thought in your head.
city captive Ryan's girlfriend hostage With my gangs of students And evil bosses I am bad, I am the toughest fight You will ever face it with a name like So you know I'm on me, mother Who will kick your ass all over the place Oh, that's a river city ransom And don't look for a reason I am the way that I am now Maybe my mother doesn't love me Or my dad made me play the piano I'm evil, I kick puppies And I hate the smell of flowers In the springtime, in the springtime, in the springtime River City Ransom River City Ransom One time when I was little, I walked in on my parents. I didn't know what they were doing, but I was so embarrassed. They didn't stop, they only screamed for me to get the hell out of the room, or else that was gonna make me mow the lawn again. And man, I hate mowing the lawn. I'm evil, I kick puppies, and I hate the smell of flowers. In the springtime, in the springtime, in the springtime, I sit a ransom. I am going to kick your ass so hard. Nobody can You can hear more retronauts at oneup.com. If you're into old video games, it's a really good show. For more shows, go to keithcourage.com. Hate the smell of flowers in the springtime, in the springtime, in the springtime.